I'm so excited to have you here for episode number three of the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk all about website mistakes. I often get asked what the biggest website mistakes are, so I wanted to use my first solo episode to go over the biggest items that I make sure all my clients' websites are doing so we can avoid these 10 mistakes. Let's jump in. Hi there, I'm Isabel Cateman and I run Stripe Dog Creative, a website strategy and design firm dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs create strategic and elegant websites so they can attract their dream clients, raise their prices, and scale their businesses. I'm so excited to have you here for the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast. Tune in each week to hear practical business advice, tips on embracing and learning from failure, trust me, it's going to happen, and real talk on trying to create a balanced life as an entrepreneur for my guest experts and of course, from me. Ready to turn those dreams into a reality? Let's do it. All right, I am so excited about today's episode. I get asked about this a lot, so I figured I would do a high-level episode talking about the biggest mistakes that I see, and then a lot of these will probably end up becoming their own episodes down the road, but I figured I'd start with a very high-level episode of the top 10 mistakes. So I could go on and on about mistakes that I see on websites, but I put together a top 10 list just to keep things super organized, and these are the biggest things that I would tell you to watch out for if you're working, you know, even working with a designer, you can kind of check these things afterwards. And especially if you're designing your own website, definitely watch out for these things. So first, I want to take you through some strategy mistakes that I see. Then we'll go through some design mistakes that are pretty common. And finally, we'll go through some copywriting mistakes. First, a note on websites. So websites should be living, breathing marketing materials that you use. A website should never be kind of quote unquote officially done. I know that to a lot of people, a website is something that is very overwhelming. A website is something that maybe they sit down once every three years or, you know, once every decade, depending on how long you've been in business and how comfortable you are. And that's when they update it. But really, it's not only good for SEO, but it's also just good for your business in general to keep your website updated. And of course, you can always, you know, if you have the funds, reach out to a web designer. A lot of them have hourly rates. I offer hourly rates. You know, if you just need little tweaks here and there, but especially if you're on a platform that you're able to do updates in, even just swapping out a photo or making some changes in your text every once in a while, maybe once a quarter, maybe just twice a year can be really good for SEO, as I said, but also for your business. You know, your business grows, you're constantly evolving, you're constantly learning new things, you realize oh, I had this amazing client and she said something absolutely incredible and I want to make sure I add that to my site. Or I realized that this is how I'm talking about my packages and it's not really making sense anymore. So let me make that little tweak. So if that's something that you're able to get into the mindset of when you're thinking about, you know, working with clients and how things are evolving and even when you're creating social posts, if there's a little spark of something that goes like, oh my goodness, that would be really great to put on my website. Definitely try to get in the habit of making your website a living, breathing thing rather than, oh, I updated my website once every three years. I'm done. I'm good to go. Again, doesn't have to be huge, but really try to get in that mindset. So another caveat that I want to give to this episode, I don't want anyone to feel bad if you're making these mistakes. First of all, a lot of business owners makes these make these mistakes. It's not a huge deal. Again, it's a living, breathing thing. So, you know, take the time as you can to update it. And so, you know, you can make these changes bit by bit. If you notice like, oh crap, I have like nine of the 10 things on this list, just, you know, maybe once a month or once a week, just try to tackle something. This doesn't have to be, you know, I don't want to throw anyone into like a panic of, 
oh my goodness, I'm doing a lot of these things on the list. Something huge needs to change. Don't worry about it. Take a deep breath. You can always hire someone to make these updates quickly. If you're that type of person, you just want to get it all done at once or just take it slowly. But I don't want to kind of make anyone panic with these things. So let's jump right in. The first thing I want to talk about, of course, being a website strategist is not having a strategy. So I could do a whole episode on this topic and I probably will in the future. But for now, I just want to run through high level what it means to not have a strategy. What a lot of people don't realize is that strategic websites actually start behind the scenes. There's lots of prep work on who your ideal clients are, what types of clients you want to be attracting, what your website goals are. And so that's really important to kind of sit down and do on the back end and really understand, you know, what those things mean, especially for ideal clients. You see a lot of people, you know, talking about what magazines do they read and what podcasts do they listen to? I don't really care about a whole lot of that when I'm working with my clients. What I really like to do is get in the emotion of things. So I think it's a lot more important to understand how your client feels before they come to work with you and to understand how they're going to feel after they're done working with you. I think that that lends itself really nicely to kind of putting yourself in the mindset of where your client is when they're coming to you. And the other thing that I want to talk about is what your website goals are. I think this is so important and so many people don't really think about this. I always tell my clients, you want one to two primary goals. And if you're a service-based business owner, your primary goal is probably to get people on your consultation call. So you want like one to two goals tops, maybe secondary is like pumping up your newsletter list or driving people to your blog or whatever your kind of secondary goal is. So Laying all of this out, first understanding who your clients are and getting in their mindset, and then second, understanding what your website goals are is really necessary because it's going to inform all of your design and content choices moving forward. If you decide to kind of just jump right into design, this is what I always talk about and what I call a pretty but useless website. It might look absolutely gorgeous, but it's going to be all over the place in terms of organization and flow because you're not going to be talking to someone specific and you're not going to have someone specific in mind as you're doing it. Number two, the reason that you want to get all of this done ahead of time is because it's going to make your life so much easier. So again, if you actually do it before you go to design and the copy and kind of build out your website, it's going to be so easy because you're going to have a very clear picture. So there's not going to be any more of like, should my website be hot pink and lime green or a really muted color? Because you're going to have that ideal client in mind. And so you're going to understand who those people are that you want to attract. And it's going to be a very easy answer of like, oh, all my clients are eccentric. I love eccentric people hot pink and lime green, let's do it. Or it's going to be, you know, maybe I'm a lawyer and my clients are a lot more subdued and they expect me to look uber, uber professional. And of course it wouldn't be lime pink or lime green and hot pink. So that's just going to make the design process much easier. So I always like to do this step first before we actually go to build out the site and then everything that comes after will flow so easy and seamlessly. Second, Using a template. So I know templates have gotten really popular, especially when you're starting out in business. There's nothing wrong with using a template very early on, you know, because you can't afford to maybe bring in a designer, but really as quickly as you can, I would love for you to get out of using a template or either pay someone to really customize that template or learn how to customize that template yourself. The reason is it's not specifically designed for your business and your clients. And so I know a lot of them can kind of be altered and moved around and you can tweak things and that's totally fine. But the thing is, when you really get serious about your business, you need a custom designed site because it needs to be built on the strategy that we just talked about in, you know, number one mistakes that I see. 
So it really needs to be tailored to your goals and clients and designed specifically for your business. I find personally that I just prefer to design off of a blank kind of a blank white page and not use a template because I find a lot of people, especially if you're not a designer or just a business owner that's gotten a template, it's very hard to get yourself out of the mindset of that template. So you kind of see like, oh, this template uses lines. So I'm going to continue using lines. And it's very hard to kind of think outside the box and be like, oh, hexagons would be the perfect, you know, shape for this. Or the whole template is purple and yellow. And wow, I'm picking very weird colors. The whole template is purple and yellow. And now I really want to move to being pink. It's very difficult to get out of that mindset when you're kind of seeing that one thing and you're in that one thing designing. So I obviously, if you have the money, think that it's best to hire a website designer and a strategist who can really understand your business and build that from scratch. But of course, if you can't afford to do that, I think it's worth spending some time just at least learning the basics of website design so that you can really make sure that you're customizing that template a ton for your goals and your business and your clients. Mistake number three is not making it easy for clients to contact you. I know this sounds super obvious, but I feel like we've all had that experience where we're on a website and we think to ourselves, I just want to see these this person's packages or I just want to, you know, do a consult call with this person or find a way to apply to work with this person and you just can't find it. There's not a button anywhere. Maybe you have to scroll all the way back up to the top of the homepage And this is the first thing that people are going to look for. So the minute you make things complicated for clients, the minute clients are overwhelmed, you're going to lose them. And it's such a stupid reason to lose them. So you just want to make things as easy as possible. And this applies to everything. So first, I want to talk about the top navigation. I feel like there was a whole trend of people getting super cutesy in their top navigation. Please stop. If you have a work with me page or a services page, call it work with me or services. If you have an about page, call it about. If you have a contact page, call it contact. There's no reason to be getting cutesy with these names. You want things to be as clear and simple and succinct as possible. I always try to think in terms of, you know, simple and elegant and things that are going to last a long time. So I tend to stay away from trends, but especially in the top navigation, you really just want to make it easy for your clients to get in contact with you. And additionally, I want to see a ton of CTAs on your site. You're immediately going to think like nobody needs this many buttons. Trust me, everyone needs that many buttons. I typically recommend one CTA call to action, by the way, if you don't know what CTA is, call to action. So like a button or some directive telling clients exactly what you want them to do. Spell it out really easily. I like to see one CTA in at least every other section on every single page. Because the last thing you want is someone to be reading a certain section or to really feel emotionally invested in you. And then they realize like, oh, I have to scroll up like 10 sections to contact this person. And I know it sounds really silly, but you can lose people that way. It's unfortunate, but our attention spans are so short these days that you really need to make it as easy and clear as possible. And on that same, in that same vein, Similarly with goals, you want those CTAs all pointing to one thing. So if your goal, for example, as a service-based business owner is to set up a free consultation, you want like 95% of the buttons on your site to be like, you know, looking to work with me, click here to set up a free consult call. You know, want to learn more? Get in touch with me. You want, you know, they can, they can be different words and you can get creative with how you say it as long as it's very clear, but you want them all to lead to that one place. You don't want like a homepage, for example, where 
one button is pointing to your newsletter and one button is pointing to, you know, your recent podcast. Another button links out to your Instagram and another button links out to your Facebook group. It's too confusing and it's overwhelming. If your one goal is to make money and your one goal is to get those clients, then that's where everything should be pointing. If your goal, for example, is to get everyone on your newsletter, then that's where everything should be pointing. It doesn't matter what that goal is. Just make sure that like 95% of your CTAs are pointing in that direction. All right, so those were my biggest strategy mistakes. Let's jump in now to some common design mistakes that I see. So first, tip number four, not leaving enough white space. White space doesn't necessarily have to be white, but it just means leaving enough breathing room around your content. So I see this a lot with people who have designed their own site. They seem to think that the more that they can cram in, the better it'll be, which is actually the opposite feel like you always want to ask, what can I take away and still make sure that I have the same impact, the same meaning that I was expecting. You really want to make sure that your content has room to breathe. So for example, you want to create some spacing above and below your headline and your paragraphs. You want to make sure that your buttons have a lot of space around them. You don't want them crammed right underneath your paragraphs. You want to leave a nice space between sections on the page. And one of the things where I can always tell that someone has designed their own site is where they have wall-to-wall text. So you'll see a paragraph and it'll go from all the way to the left side of their site to all the way to the right side of their site. And immediately I know this person designed their own site and didn't hire a designer. Nobody wants to read from all the way to the left side, all the way to the right side. Number one, it's just really difficult on human eyes to kind of have to scan across the entire page and stay on the same line. And number two, it just doesn't look good. There's no breathing room around the content. There's nothing that's really going to catch your eye and separate. It just ends up becoming like one huge chunk of text that's very difficult for people to read. Another design issue that I see, we're on to number five, is not using high-end photos. So we'll likely have a whole episode on brand photography and that'll be coming up. But for this tip, I just want to talk about photo quality and imagery. So if you don't know what brand photos are, they're photos that are taken by a professional photographer and they show you essentially in your element. So while headshots are typically very formal, maybe you, you know, sitting in a suit or sitting in a chair, standing against a gray wall or something, brand photography is a lot more informal and a lot more lifestyle. So there might be a few headshot photos, but you know, for, for example, if you're a social media manager, you're probably not wearing a suit every day. You're probably not even Going to an office every day, you probably work from home. So brand photos might have you sitting on the floor cross-legged, you know, with your dog next to you, or it might have you scrolling through your phone on the couch. They're really allowing clients to connect emotionally with you and to see that different side of you. And so if you can afford to do a brand photo shoot with a professional photographer, that is my absolute number one recommendation. You can get some formal headshots. You can also get a ton of lifestyle photos. And then you can get some accessory shots, you know, so for example, if you are a social media manager, there'll be some photos of like a desk with a phone sitting there, maybe a laptop sitting on, you know, a table next to a cup of coffee, whatever it is, just different things that you can use on your website, of course, but then in your social media and in your other marketing, and it should all be kind of cohesively branded within your style and aesthetic and color palette. If you can't afford a brand photo shoot, they kind of range in price. They can they can be anything the same way anything can be anything. Some of them are $200 for an hour, probably all the way up to like $3,000 or $4,000 for the day, depending on who you work with. But if you can't afford that, which is understandable, especially if you're starting your business, 
There are still really great high-end stock photography options. So there's things like Shutterstock or Adobe, which you do have to pay for. And then there's even great free options like Unsplash and Pexels. So while I always prefer that my clients have a brand photo shoot, sometimes, you know, it's not possible and we need to go with stock photography. But the one thing that really matters on your site is photos. Photos, photos, photos. They make a site. If you do not have good photos, if your photos are blurry, if your photos are bad quality, if your photos don't make any sense for your site, if they're not within your aesthetic or they're so obviously stock, that can be a huge turnoff for clients. So make sure that you have photos that are really high quality and take the time to choose photos that really match with the types of clients that you're trying to attract and the aesthetic that you're trying to put out with your brand. I always tell clients when they're going to switch out photos, you know, because again, even the clients I work with, I tell them to kind of keep photos updated on their site once a quarter, unless they want me to do it, which of course I'm happy to do. But around 1500 pixels is what you really want to make sure that your photos are just to make sure that they're high quality. You want to make sure you're getting high res photos, no kind of crappy cell phone photos here. I know now a lot of people have, you know, iPhones and all of that that take really good photos, but just make sure that they're wide enough. And especially if you're making them a banner, make sure that they're very high res so that everything is really crystal clear. It actually takes visitors less than a second to decide how credible your business is. And the number one factor in deciding against you is design. So you really want to make sure that your site is absolutely stunning. And that's going to come a lot from photos. Another thing that I see number six here is too many colors. So again, I'll likely break this down into a separate episode at a later date, but I want to talk about colors and fonts. Less is more, simple is better, think timeless and classic and elegant. Even if you have a vibe that is very out there, you know, very fun and colorful, that's totally fine. But just make sure you're picking something that isn't necessarily like a six month trend. Make sure you're picking something that's really going to be able to age well. So this doesn't mean you can't show your personality. Absolutely show your personality. Every site, you know, should not look the same. Clients should land on your site and be able to tell exactly who you are very quickly, whether you're bright and vibrant or shy, whatever it is that you want to convey, totally, totally show off your personality. But you want to make sure that you're not overwhelming clients with colors. And so what I usually do is I pick one to two main colors and then some accent colors that are within the same color family. So your one to two main colors can either be opposites on the color wheel or they can be adjacent on the color wheel. And then those Accent colors should just be like lighter and darker shades of those same colors. So you don't really want a website that's like red and yellow and blue and purple and green. You might want a website that if you're, you know, super bold could be like bright blue and bright orange. And then your accent color should be like lighter and darker blues and lighter and darker oranges. Some Resources that I find really helpful is there's a website called Coolers, and this will be in the show notes as well, that allows you to really play around with color palettes and do different, you know, shades and hues and all of that. And that's really fun. And that's totally free. And then I also really like Adobe's color wheel, which is also free that lets you play around with, you know, opposites on the color wheel, adjacent colors on the color wheel. So there's lots of resources out there that you can use, but just make sure you're not overwhelming clients. Number seven illegible fonts. Well, I know it's tempting to pick a really awesome, fun display font that you found. Just remember that all types of people have to read it across all types of devices. So depending on your client base, you may have older people coming to your website and they may 
happen to be on a cell phone when they're visiting your site. And if they're trying to read this crazy display font that's really, really tight cursive or this crazy kind of all caps and you have these like big headlines in all caps, it's going to be very overwhelming for them. And remember, confused clients don't buy. So if they can't read something or they're confused or they're getting frustrated, they're just going to leave and find a different service provider. So I typically suggest picking a header font, potentially an accent font that you use sparingly. Maybe this is like a cursive or a little bit more of a fun font, and then a very clear paragraph text. You want your paragraph text, of course, to be very, very, very clear and easy to read. And always remember to look at your site across different devices and make sure the font is legible across them. So, you know, definitely check on, then there are lots of online ways to do this, especially with Chrome. There's inspect tools that you can use, but, you know, make sure you look at it on a cell phone. Make sure you look at it on a laptop. If you're able, you know, through Chrome or in some way to look at it on an iPad or a tablet, make sure that you're doing that and just making sure that your font is legible across all devices. And in terms of resources here, again, there's a ton of resources and we'll put them in the show notes, but Google offers a ton of free fonts, and then you can find really great paid fonts at places like Creative Market. And I actually have a blog post on my blog at stripedogcreative.com on uploading a custom font to Squarespace. So that's really easy to do. You never have to feel like you you know have to pick a font within Squarespace. You can absolutely upload your own custom font. Just make sure that you're picking a font that's going to be really easy for people to read across devices. All right, so those are my biggest design mistakes that I see and want people to watch out for. Now let's jump into copywriting, which I know is everyone's least favorite topic usually, but hopefully these tips will make it a little bit easy for you. So number eight is copy that isn't specific. So this goes all the way back to number one, the strategy that we were talking about at the beginning, but it's important you're making sure that you're speaking to someone, you're speaking to your ideal client. So you really want to use language that shows off your personality, of course, but you also want to make sure you're really connecting with your ideal client. So you want to tell lots of stories. You want to use specific examples, as specific as you can get, especially if you can call out a real life example that happened, whether you're, you know, you get permission to use your client's real story or you kind of just make it up. But you want to really create examples that your clients are going to, going to be able to picture themselves in. So, and this should be very emotional. So you want to make sure that you're using examples where your client can feel how the person in the example is feeling and think to themselves like, oh my God, that's totally me right now. You know, maybe before they're coming to work with you. And then you want to use examples or testimonials that show how they're going to feel after working with you. You want them to be able to resonate and to read that and think like, oh my God, I'm dying to feel like that. That would be amazing if I could feel like that. So you really want to use words and phrases that mimic the words and phrases that your client would use. So again, you know, going back to our example, if you're a lawyer and you're very kind of you know, straightforward and your clients are very elegant and they're looking for someone who's super refined. Maybe you don't use a ton of contractions on your site. You want to use much more formal language versus colloquial language. If you're a brand photographer and your brand is more laid back and relaxed, you can use a lot of contractions. You can use language that's more colloquial. So you really just want to understand who your clients are. And one tip with copywriting, because I know people have a ton of trouble with copywriting, is actually to get off of the computer, get away from the piece of paper and record yourself. We have a tendency to really overthink it when we're trying to write, whether that be typing or writing, you know, with pen and paper. We tend to really overthink it when we're writing it out. We'll kind of backspace or cross out and edit. But when you're talking, you actually speak a lot more naturally and you don't second guess it. You kind of just, just let it flow out. So if you're able to like record a client consult call, 
that would be incredible. You can see how you sell yourself to a potential client and that would be really great. Or, you know, you can call a friend or your mom or your partner or whatever it is and just record that call and kind of just answer the question like, you know, who are my ideal clients and talk about maybe your story and talk about, you know, what you like and what you don't like if you're looking for copy for your about page, things like that. But just really record yourself because if you actually write out the words that you did during your recording, you're going to find that it sounds a lot more natural and it's going to give you a really great place to start versus trying to sit down in front of like a blank word document and write it out. You're just going to totally get in your own head. So this is a really great way to get out of your head. Number nine, sites that are not scannable. So this ties in with making it easy for your clients, but you want to make sure that your site is scannable with the text that's there. So there's a lot of data that shows, unfortunately, people don't really read websites anymore in detail. I know short attention spans these days, but they really skim websites, especially when there's a lot of information on them. So you want to make sure you're avoiding enormous blocks of text and instead keeping your paragraphs super short and sweet. And you want to use bullets whenever possible and use very clear headlines. So when you're getting ready to publish your site or you're making any changes to your site, you really want to kind of come to your site as if you were a new customer having never seen it before. And you want to read only the headlines and see if you would be able to understand who you are, what you do, and how you help people. If you can answer those three questions when you're looking just at the headlines, then you're good to go. If you're finding that your headlines are either very generic or are you know not very clear in what you do and you have huge chunks of text that aren't really broken up in any way, that's when we're going to get into either confusing or overwhelming clients and confused and overwhelmed clients don't buy. So you're going to lose people's attention. They're not going to feel emotionally connected with you and they're going to leave your site. All right. So tip number 10, not having social proof. So my last tip for you today is all about testimonials. You as the business owner can scream and yell about how amazing you are until the cows come home, but someone is going to believe you're amazing way more readily if it comes from someone else. So make sure you have lots and lots of testimonials on your site. You're going to think you have enough, add 10 more. I'm kind of kidding, but seriously, you have a tendency not to brag about yourself and especially female business owners have a tendency to not kind of want to pump themselves up and they want to be a little bit more humble and you want to make sure that you are shouting from the rooftops how freaking amazing you are. So just do it. Just take all the testimonials that you can possibly find. If you're a new business owner and you don't have a lot, you know, see if maybe you can do a few projects with friends or family friends, you know, maybe even just in exchange for testimonials if you really don't have any clients, but testimonials are so important. A potential client wants to hear from people just like them about how incredible you are and why they should work with you. Of course, they want to hear from you. Of course, they're coming to your site because they're interested. Of course, they're going to read everything on your site, but they really are going to find that social proof in what other people say about you, especially if those other people are your ideal or your dream clients, because those people, again, are going to talk in a certain way and use certain words and phrases that your dream client's going to use. So like attracts like, they're going to bring other people in that are similar to them. And then put your testimonials everywhere. Put them on the homepage. Put them on your services or work with me page. Throw one on the contact page for good measure. Just get them out there and make sure that they are everywhere. 
All right, so those are my tips for you today. These are the top 10 biggest website mistakes that I see with my clients. I know that there was a lot in here and we didn't go into a ton of detail. So there will be a lot of different episodes coming up that will deep dive more into these. And if you're interested in learning even more tips and tricks, I do have a free download on my site that details the mind reading website framework that I use with all my clients. And we'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for being here with me today and I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast with yours truly, Isabel Caitlin. If you love the show, I would appreciate it if you could leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I love hearing from all of you. Share it with a friend, family, colleague, or anyone you know who may benefit from this episode. Remember, you can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at stripedogcreative.com. All right, that's it for today. See you next time.